Welcome to the IFTA podcast. This is Wieland Alt, President of the International Federation of Technical Analysts. Our goal is to encourage the highest standards of professional ethics and competence among technical analysts worldwide. To learn more about us, visit ifta.org. Welcome, everyone. Um, we're uh, getting ready for a, an exclusive interview with our keynote speaker, Mr. Larry Williams. Welcome, Larry. Thank you very much. Uh, we're delighted to have you uh, at the IFTA conference, our first online uh, conference uh, this year, 2020. And actually, it's also the first 24-hour conference um, that we'll be doing. So it'll be a, a really interesting one coming up soon. Um, now, could we launch into uh, your topic? What key messages will you want to be sharing with, with thousands of people around the world uh, at the conference? I stopped trading. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is dangerous stuff. No, it's an interesting parallel. Um, we're now trading the market 24 hours a day, and now you're going to do a 24-hour webinar, around-the-clock seminar, webinar. Like, wow, how things have changed. It used to be in the old days, uh, I'd go lecture someplace, and you'd have to go way out in the country, take a plane and then a bus, and then maybe a boat to get someplace, and, and the three people show up. Now we get maybe five people show up, but... Um, it's incredible how things have changed in terms of communications, and I think that probably affects the markets. Things have sped up. It's much faster now than when I started trading. Yeah, absolutely. I remember um, in, a, in a previous discussion that we had some years ago in, in the States, you had mentioned something about kind of cutting trees way back when. Um, there were no trading books, and, and, and everything was a first-time experience. Yeah, I think there. Were, when I started, there were, Oh, there may be 20 books. Um, uh, now there's probably 20 new ones a day. Uh, there were some real old books, of course. Um, and, and, you know, when I started trading, I was on the West Coast. We'd get the Wall Street Journal two days after it was published <laughs> to read what was in the Wall Street Journal. So, you know, and commissions back then were a percentage of the stock price. So you, you had to get at least after three quarters of a point in the stock before you made any money. And the brokers were the wealthy guys in town. And, and now there's brokers, that, you know, there's, there's no really profession as a broker anymore. It used to be a really important profession. Brokers did really well, stockbrokers did, but that, that's gone. Everything has changed. And which means that probably 50 years from now, things will be different too. And, well, hey, the, the cycle of innovation and how things change from one era to the next. Back. One thing that doesn't change, people are still greedy and want to make money speculating. So the markets will still be around in some fashion. I, it reminds me of the Jesse Livermore quote, uh, mar markets might change, I'm paraphrasing here, but human nature does not. And, and it, some version of that. Yeah, yeah it, it, people still get over emotional when they trade, especially if they're not a professional. And so you have perhaps rundowns in prices. And, and, and back in, in the, the era of, of your learning, like the early learning, Larry, who were the key influencers or, or, or the, the people that you hung out with, like-minded professionals of that time? Well, the only one I really got to know much at all was a friend of Gil Haller, who wrote a book called The Haller Theory. He was probably the first guy to really do relative strength even before uh, Levy did it. Um, and uh, Gil 
and I didn't spend a lot of time together, maybe a couple of weekends as well, but he was very gracious. He was living in State Line, Nevada, and went up and saw him, went for a hike in the mountains with him, and gave me a lot of uh, consultation and advice about the markets. Other than that, I just read books, you know, um, at a broker, real live broker, like he did in the old days, Don Southern, Joe Miller. But um, there wasn't anybody to learn from until much later in my life, uh, maybe by 1972, 73, a fellow by the name of Bill Meehan came to see me. Uh, Bill had been a member of the Board of Trade. Uh, Bill had tutored, if you will, uh, the Campbell Brothers, and now one of the largest management companies in the world for futures, and uh, another guy. And uh, they said, you gotta go see Larry, because Bill had great selection, but not real good timing. I had pretty good timing, but horrible selection. So it was kind of a nice meld, the two of us came together. Bill shared with me the fundamental aspect of the markets. I understood some of the technicals, kind of understood it, but um, and he didn't at all. And so it was a nice blend of two uh, different ideas. And, and this year, uh, Larry w will be recognizing as part of the IFTA Lifetime Achievement Award, Mr. Weld Wilder. And, and I, I know from several conversations with each other that, that he was a good friend of yours. You wrote a beautiful recognition letter titled, uh, uh, When I Knew, uh, uh, when I knew uh, Wells be Before He Was Famous. Could you share just a, a few words of insights, what it was like to, to be his friend uh, before he was famous? Well, uh, Wells first came to me uh, because he had a goal system he wanted to promote. And he asked if I would help him. He didn't know how to do it. And I knew a little bit, but sure. So we shared with some some mailing lists and gave him some ideas of how to do these things. And um, that that really started the friendship. And then when he did the Delta thing, I said, Larry, you got to see this. So please come to my house. I went to his house. And, and, but the first time I actually met him, because back in the old days, we used to just write letters all the time to people. We didn't do internet and all the stuff that we're doing now, right? Um, so uh, Wells and I had written back and forth for years. And I was in Beijing, China, at Tiananmen Square. And I saw this guy walking down the street. And I said, that's Wells Wilder. And uh, it was. I got on the bus and walked off well, but gave each other a big hug. And so that was how we met, uh, physically met, though we'd written back and forth for a long, long time. And, and back then, I, 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 I heard I a story, tell me if, if uh -huh. this is uh, accurate, that, that both yourself, Wells Wilder, and Tom and Mark were friends. Oh yeah, Tom and I, of course, have been friends. I watch all of his children grow up. Um, so, yeah, and then uh, Wells, I kind of introduced Wells to people like I got Wells maybe a couple speaking engagements. I don't know so long ago, I don't recall everything. But, but back then we wrote letters to people. You know, the guy who was W.D. Gann's advancement and F.B. Thatcher, I wrote a huge correspondence about Gann and all this stuff. And I, I didn't realize the value of it. I should have kept all that stuff. But it was such a different world where we had letters. We, we didn't have face-to-face -face conversations like this that are being recorded and people all over the world will see it. So that's totally different than the way we used to do things. So that was a, it was a, almost like a pen pal friendship that we had back then with people. And occasionally we would see each other at a seminar along the road or somebody's in town. Wells had a great car collection. And he loved to go look at cars. 
And so he came to Del Mar, California, where they had a big uh, Concorde d'Elegance. And you know, he had to show me his cars and all that. So it was quite interesting. Well, Wells had interest outside of, um, of the markets. And, and um, as circling back to your presentation theme, uh, Larry, kind of this the idea of what makes a champion trader. Um, what key insights can you share with us on, on that question? Well, I think there's, there's two things. Some people are better at anything than other people are. Um, but almost anybody can learn to do this. Some will learn better than others. But certainly I've had enough students that have gone on to manage money, win trading championships. This is teachable. People can learn it. But not everybody can learn it because of either their own intelligence, their own emotions. Uh, so I, I can't say, oh, everybody can learn to be a trader. That's not a, a, a decent statement. But is this something, knowledge, that can be transferred to one person or another? Usually, yes, it can be. And that's really exciting news, that some people are better than other people, obviously, but this is knowledge that can be moved from one person to another, from one generation to another. What's your perspective on the age-old debate about nature nurture? Are, are traders born with, with, this, with the skill, or is it something, as you just said, that can be taught? Well, I, I, I think that some people have a better emotional quotient, just that just born with their emotions. I know my son, the psychiatrist, who is uh, a medical doctor, who did a lot of research on just successful traders. And what Jason found is that winning traders have a totally different personality profile than losing traders. Their emotions are quite different. So, and those are things you're born with. So, so some traders are blessed. They have the emotional quotient that makes them a better trader than others. And some people's emotions are so erratic, forget, they better not be a trader, they better go, whatever. But, um, and while you can't necessarily alter your personality, you can control and regulate it. So once you understand, the winning traders have a couple things in common. Their emotions don't fluctuate. They don't go, oh, I'm frightened of this, I'm, I'm optimistic, I'm bullish. They're like, oh, okay, you know, they're pretty, their emotions are like that, where most people's emotions are like that. So you can say, well, okay, then I can bring my emotions down. I have more that way instead of that way. You can work on that. But certainly, clearly, Jason's work shows that the, the emotional way you deal with life, and that's what you're born with, can make you uh, more successful than somebody um, with a different emotional makeup. So arguably, the, the total experiment that, that was held way back in the 1980s worked. What, what what insights do you have on the turtle trading? Well, um, there's quite a few insights. One, it was a mechanical system. It could be taught, and it was taught to a group of very bright people. But if you look at where those bright people ended up, I think one's in prison now, uh, or has been disbarred from the industry forever. Uh, a couple died. Um, couple have been relatively successful and a lot of them have gone off to do other things which is probably what you would expect if you went back and looked at the great baseball or football players from 30 years ago they've all moved on a lot of them moved on to other things as well so it was an interesting experience to see what happened after like if you look at jack swagger's book uh, 
market wizards. Look where those wizards are now. A lot of them are blew up. So we all may have our day in the, in the spotlight for a little bit. But the turtles, uh, Richard Dennis showed that you can learn something. It was a strategy that worked pretty well. It hasn't worked very well for quite a few years now. Um, but it was a strategy that said, we can't predict the future, so there'll be big trend moves and we'll, we'll always be in a trend move. And it used to be, we had great big trend moves and now I think because of electronic trading and what we talked about earlier, everybody's in the market now, the trend go boom, 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 boom. They're much, much quicker now. So to use a 50 day or a 25 day moving average or a breakout or whatever, it's like, wow, that was the old game. But starting around 2001, 2002, when we went into electronic sessions, game changed, which tells me as a trader, whatever game I'm looking at now, I gotta be thinking about, whoa, what, what's, you know, you have these Robinhood traders now, you have algorithm traders now, are these people changing my game? I have to be looking out for that. It's, it's, it's an, I mean, interesting and an exciting kind of time at the moment. You mentioned Robinhood traders, so, so these are first time traders trading from the bounce back from the crash lows of COVID-19. So, so their first experience is up, 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 and, and, and uh, you know, in terms of the trending markets. Um, and then, of course, algo traders, we're, we're going to have a panel discussion, Larry, where hopefully yourself and Linda Rashke, um, uh, representing the kind of classic technical traders um, versus some of the uh, newer ones, one of which I believe is, is a student of yours, What's your take on old classic methods that have been tried and tested versus new ones for, for some of these new markets and new environments? You know, all, all I knew is old. I'm older than dirt at this point. Hold on, we got a phone call here. Louise, can you take that? Sorry about that. Um, what we old traders know the most, I think, are the emotions of the market. So, we're pretty good at understanding when the public is too bullish or too bearish. And I think that phenomenon will always exist. Uh, it doesn't matter what the algo guys are doing, uh, or people trying to trade off Twitter feeds or Donald Trump's tweeters or whatever. I don't know what a Twitter is, I don't tweet. Um, so the, that core basics that people like Linda Ewing a lot, she's so knowledgeable, wow, she's a good trader. Um, that the core beliefs we have, our understanding of the market will always carry forward in the future, just like the things that uh, were written about by Schaubacher back in the 1920s, those things still have value. Um, and part of being a good trader is finding what fits your personality. I am not interested at all in being an algo trader. I'm 78 years old, I want to do that. Uh, plus, I, to my thinking, the way you make money in the market, which is more important than technical analysis, is you have a small position and catch a huge move. That's how you make serious money. So to trade for half a pick or a tick or whatever, I'm not interested in that at all. Because when I have a loss doing that, it's probably gonna be bigger than my gains. So you know, I'm a real simple-minded person. And um, so a lot of this stuff was over my head. I pay attention to it don't always understand it. But to me, trading should be a lifestyle. And that's more important than necessarily making money. I want to be able to be trading, but in a fashion that um, it can also lead to an enjoyable life. 
beautiful, inspiring words and uh, brings it back to why people might choose to trade in the first place. And um, in your experience, Larry, I mean, it's, it's interesting to also maybe ask the question in, in a technical analysis conference, those that are riding the learning curve of technical analysis, how do people make the switch from the analysis to trading? Well, probably drink a lot. <laughs> <laughs> good wine, good whiskey, vodka, I don't know. <laughs> At some point, you have to cross that emotional going from you think you got it all figured out in your head. Okay, that's good. But now you have to place a trade. That's very emotional because you might lose. You might look like an idiot. Your might, wife might say, oh, what a stupid trade that is. Or your broker. We used to have brokers that see our trade. Now nobody can see your trade. Broker used to see your trade. Hey, what are you doing now? And so there's, there's a cathartic switch from the intellectual aspect of trading to the emotional and then you got money on it and now it gets even more emotional and that's just something that you have to recognize well that's how this business works probably like a lawyer who understands the, the legal research of his case he knows exactly what the case is and how to prepare but he goes into court and he's talking in front of people a jury and a judge and an opposition and then the, the emotions come to play so you have to be prepared for both aspects, the intellectual and the emotional part of it. You had a great talking point, and I'm careful not to steal the thunder um, of the presentation, um, on risk. Um, what's your take on risk and, and some of those high risk takers out there, both in finance and in other professional areas? Well, the first thought that comes to my mind, uh, I've seen a lot of traders that shout and scream and yell. And, you know, they're big traders that uh, they're going to blow up. I know really good traders that are billionaires who couldn't tell if they're long or short or losing money or making money. They're not braggarts. They're pretty humble people. They're like, well, yeah, well, what do you think of the market? Those, that's the hallmark of a successful trader. The shouters and the screamers, they're either A, they're frauds or they're winning right now, but it will catch up with them. They don't have the wrong, they don't have the right emotional quotient to be a trader. They'll blow up. Um, but getting back to risk, risk is different for everybody. Um, I'm willing to take on more risk than most people. I always have been. That's why I led my life. Um, I, that's my, my basic makeup. My dad couldn't believe that I was going to start to try to make money trading. I mean, he was not a risk taker. Um, so it was incomprehensible for him. And you have to get to a point where you don't take too much risk. It's really, people call it money management, but it isn't. It's emotional management. The way you manage your emotions is not your mother beat you up when you were a kid or whatever. You don't have to go if you're over emotional it's because your bet size is too big you have to figure out where your bet size is equal to your emotional size because money management at its heart is emotional management if you're emotional all the time your bet size is way too big if you have a small bet size then you can't it all because you can't handle any any the emotions of risk so neither extreme okay. You're going to get beat up trading. You're going to, I have losing trades. I've been doing this for 60 years. I still have losing trades. So I can't let that bother me. But if that's the type of thing that bothers you as a person, this is, you've got to get out of this business. This is not for you. I mean, that, that, that opens up a kind of really interesting point about 
uh, loss aversion, but then more sp on a bigger level, fear in general, whether it's fear of losing money in markets or just fear in general in life. This year being the year of strange things like a pandemic and lockdown environment, people trading from their rooms. Uh, what can you say? What, what words of insights, maybe inspiration, can you say about fear? Um, I have no fear. Uh, I'm aware the thing can be dangerous, but uh, COVID, I, why, I can't understand how people get fearful of this. It makes no sense. Not just my basic makeup. I've never been afraid of many things in my life. And sometimes that's been good. Sometimes that's got me into a lot of trouble, frankly. So that's a basic makeup. But when it comes to trading, when it comes to trading, if you know, well, I've got to stop in the market, I can only lose that amount of money. Well, that's what I can lose. If that's too much for you to lose, then you shouldn't be trading or have a smaller position or a close ever. Um, but uh, I mean, that's all that's what's going to happen if you have a stop. And if you don't have a stop, well, who knows what can happen to you. So you can control your fear by having a strategy of how you're going to trade the market or invest in the market. And if you have protection, well, all you can fear is AI will have a loss. So what? I'm, you have losses in this business. So if you have a fear of having a loss, well, you better not trade because you will have losses trading for sure. Um, so I mean, I don't, I don't understand why people are afraid, but if you are, if you do that fear, uh, I played football in college, I used to ride rodeo. And every time I got on a horse, a bareback horse, you get buckled in, not buckled in, but you grab under a handle, you put a rosin on your glove, heat it up and stick it in. It's called suitcase grip. And then they open the gate and man, my heart is thumping when I'm in the gate, waiting for the gate to open up, sitting atop that horse. But the instant the gate opens up, fear, go fear goes, because now you're thinking about survival and the horse is going here and he's going there. Our football game starts and like, what's gonna happen? You hear the ball get kicked off, it's in the air. The fear is gone now because you're in the game. So it's the same thing I think with trading, like, okay, I got the trade on, I'm in the game. Uh, here's my stop, there's my target, this is what I'm gonna do. This is how I manage the trade, which is way beyond technical analysis. Trade management gets rid of fear. I, I have a, a way of trading this thing. Well, I don't care what technical analysis stuff you use. You better have a strategy. Okay, once I'm in, how do I do this? How do I do that? You have that strategy. Well, what is your fear? There's nothing to fear. You're gonna have a losing trade, which you're gonna have a losing trade. So. And the thing I always think my real advantage is I barely got out of high school, barely got through college. You know, I was the last guy in the back of the room all the time, never in the front row. So not being real smart is really good because I don't recognize fear. All my really smart friends, they're fearful of everything. I have no fear. Hey, okay, whatever. So to dumb yourself down a little bit is probably pretty good. And, and uh, I know that... Uh, you also have a, a keen interest in cycles and how markets can shift from one regime to another. Uh, this, this seems to be kind of like a question of the hour in terms of whether that's happened, but more specifically, when a market does shift from one cycle to another and, and, and it's confirmed, um, the whole risk reward profile also changes. Um, and so, in your experience, Larry, in, in prior bear markets or your first bear market from bull to bear, how did you deal with that? What, would the, what, would the learning, what was the learning curve for you? 
Well, it's a learning curve I'm still on. My first bear market was 1962. And um, of course, I had no appreciation of what was going on at all. Uh, but it was caused by political news, John Kennedy rolling back steel prices. And, but it was first set up technically, looking back now, we know the advanced decline line market breath momentum and accumulation are all falling apart prior to the news. So I guess what I learned retrospectively is that there's always a news event, why a market went down or why the market went up. But the technicals are there prior to the news event. The news event comes out when the technicals are there. I was fortunate to call the bottom this year, uh, just a couple of days, I actually bought the absolute low day um, because of technical stuff, stuff that I've written in my books, uh, nothing new. Um, uh, and then all of a sudden the good news came out and, and the COVID thing started to get under control. And we've had this massive uh, market rally, beyond belief rally. Um, but the technicals, the technicals are there, which means you probably don't have to read the news probably need to pay attention to what the market's doing as opposed to what the talking heads are saying on television or radio, reading the newspaper. And, and on the subject of learning, I know this is a talking point in, you, in your presentation at the IFTA conference. So as much as you can say as a brief teaser, what's so important about learning and this concept of deep learning? Well, the concept of deep learning is that there's something in our brain called myelin. And myelin is how we process and learn things. So what helps create myelin, there's a couple of things. There's actually some uh, things you can take uh, in terms of vitamins, et cetera, okay? But the, the big thing about myelin, myelin comes from reinforcement. The more you do something, the better you get. I've always said way back in the 1970s that mastery is a function of repetition. And now what we know is that myelin is produced by repetition. So to get great at anything, be great as Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods, I don't know where he is today, but he probably went out and hit golf balls for four or five hours, maybe six hours. Was it a tournament? No. Was it a, a money game? No, but he's out there practicing. Virtually every profession practices. So why don't we do that as traders? We just look at all the indicators. We want to create a new indicator. Forget new indicator. We don't need any new indicators. What we need is being better at our skill. You don't need to create a new hammer or make a new screwdriver. They all work really well. You just have to learn how to use that hammer. And, and so I think that's a lot with technical analysis. So forget looking for a new tool. What you want to do is learn to use through repetition, through paper trading, active trade, whatever learn to use the tool really good at it's 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 i mean reinforces that ten thousand hour rule and if you want to master anything do it for as many hours as possible ten thousand is the magic number what do you say to to a lot of maybe new traders and i've done this many times in the past where we fall down the rabbit hole of the holy grail strategy or indicator clearly doesn't exist, <laughs> but what's the anecdote? <laughs> well, the anecdote, uh, I think, is acceptance. Just take whatever you have. That's from Sorry about that. 
the the anecdote is just to say this is a game where you're going to get beat up. There's an interesting study Jake Bernstein told me about where they put monkeys in cages. In one cage, the monkey's going to get shocked at any given time. There's no one serious shock. And another cage, the red lights can go on, and the monkey can push a button. If he pushes the button, he doesn't get shocked. But if he doesn't push the button, he gets shocked, right? One monkey goes crazy, one monkey doesn't. The monkey that waits for that light to go on won't eat, he won't sleep because he doesn't want to get shocked. He's trying to control his environment. That's the monkey that goes crazy. The monkey that doesn't go crazy is me. I had a losing trade. Oh, I got shocked again. Oh, I got shocked again. That's me. I just accept, hey, this is a, this is a rough tumble business. You know, it's like being in a ring. You got to punch it. You got to hurt. Uh, but that's what this is. So just accept that. The, yeah, there's no, there's no perfect system in any way whatsoever. So get to what you got and you know do your best job with it. And just the acceptance of like, yeah, it's gonna, this is a tough life. Uh, what counters that now, I think, and it was easier to accept it when I was a young man than now because all you young people are on this this thing called internet and and all these people, my God, I can't believe the claims I see on the internet. You can make a thousand dollars a day day trading. No, you can't. Three, four thousand dollars doing it. Easy, make money five minutes a day. Let me tell you, it's never easy to make money. I don't care if it's trading or a business or whatever. Make money takes some. So it's never an easy thing to do. But there's, we see all this stuff on the internet about, oh, it's so easy. No, it isn't easy. These are pipe dreams. These are, you know, be careful of this stuff. This is tough business. So people fall into that and they have perception that this will be a piece of cake. And then they find out that this is devil's food, not a piece of cake. An investor friend of mine said, you know, he got, he got really kind of upset about this whole get rich quick um, uh, game that, 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 you know, I, I guess many people do get sucked into. Um, and his quip was, why don't people just get rich slowly? What's, what's, what's your, what do you think about the idea or the concept of doing what you've done all these years uh, in live trading competitions, but doing it step by step? Well, I'm like everybody. I don't want to get rich quick. Um, but that's just something in most of us that are short-term traders, of course. That's our personality. Um, so, again, it's your, a lot of this is dealing with your personality, understanding yourself and your own, how you handle, how you approach this stuff. Um, clearly, some traders shouldn't be short-term traders. What I figured out in my mind, in my way of thinking, you look at, at um, is a person, if they had an athletic background, were they a sprinter or they were a long-distance runner? Do you, do you like to sit and say, hmm, you know, I, maybe I want to date that girl. Maybe I don't. I got to think. Or he's like, yeah, I want to date that girl. Well, how does your mind process things? So you have to figure out if you're the guy that says, I don't know if I want to have dinner tonight at six o'clock or three o'clock, then you're probably a longer term trader. Right. And the other thing when it comes to finding somebody to help you, you need to find somebody, I think, who you almost instantly say, I got it. I see how he thinks. Like, I don't understand Fibonacci stuff. I don't understand astrology stuff. I just can't process it. So I know I have to go in other areas where my mind can pick up and I can learn from that. I'm not denigrating those things. I'm just saying that my mind can't process that. 
you know, my wife is a mechanical engineer. I don't understand engineering at all. I don't get any of this stuff. And she understands it. And I go, what is that? And I started as an art major. And so I can see patterns and shapes and colors and hues and things and textures. Maybe Louise doesn't see that as much as I do. So you have to find where you go like, yeah, I see how this guy, I got his thinking, I understand it. Then that person can help you. He can teach you better because you, you're both in the same ballpark understanding things. And uh, I mean, in, in uh, summary, um, in terms of the champion trader uh, journey uh, that you'll be discussing, any, any final thoughts or, or summary insights that you want to share with everyone ahead of your presentation? Yeah, quit trying to be a champion trader. It's very deceptive. People see I turned $10,000 into $1.1 million. One of my daughters turned 10,000 into 110,000 last year. One of my students uh, won, I think he had a six, 700% gain. This year, number one position is one of my students with a, about a 400% gain. My daughter's in there with a 200% gain. That's not realistic. That's a trading championship. Don't expect you're gonna make 200% year in and year out. We're trying to win a trading championship. We take more risk, we trade more aggressively than you ever should. It's all about pedal to the metal to win a trading championship. So people look at these, oh, let's do that. Well, nah, that's not really, that's not real. That's like uh, you go to one of these slam dunk basketball things. Who can, who can hit the most home runs? They just throw pitches and the guys try to see who can hit the most home runs, right? But it's not a real game. Well, that's a real game when we're trading. We're trading with real money in these championships, but you would never manage your own money as aggressive as we do in a trading championship. So, yeah, you can make money doing this, but you, but you better pull back your aspirations. Never have high aspirations or expectations in the market, because if you do, they're going to be broken. Uh, very wise words to 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 uh, uh, wrap our our discussion up and kind of circles back to your point about trading as part of a lifestyle. And, and that's what's so really useful and insightful about what you've shared, Larry, and one of the key points that I've taken from, from our discussion. Yeah, I think uh, the other thing you, you have to be careful of as a trader, I think I'm a pretty good trader, but I'm not a very good business person. So that means that a guy like me probably shouldn't try to be a money manager. The difference between a money manager and a trader, Paul Tudor Jones is a great trader and a very good businessman. Now, once he stopped being a great trader and became more of a businessman, his performance is nearly what Paul's performance was when he was young, before he became a businessman, a money manager. So you have to look at what your basic skills are and how you can apply that in the market. Maybe you're a great salesperson, you should be in the brokerage part of it. Maybe you're a good business guy, you should be in the money management part of it. Uh, or maybe you're just a trader and you better not try to do any of the other things. That's what I found. It was all like, I kind of like my lifestyle. I'm looking at the beach today. You know, we went scuba diving yesterday, snorkeling around Buck Island where I live. Great time. So to me, how I live is more important. I probably could have made a lot more money uh, had I done other things. But I'm a, I'm a real free spirit guy. Some people aren't. So if, if you're not, well, then you probably want to go into money and make a real business career. I never tried to make a career out of this. I just want to learn to trade. Still trying to learn to trade. And, and your key reason for learning how to trade way back when, if I, if I could add that question. I want to be really good at this. I want to be, 
I don't know if I can be the best, but I want to be close to it. I want to be able to say I mastered this subject. Thank you so much, Larry. I've really enjoyed uh, this discussion and look forward to uh, listening into your presentation at the IFTA conference. I'm working hard on it. I hope it's going to be good. I'm going to have some things I think people will enjoy. I look forward to it. Thank you for listening. To learn more about IFTA and how to become a member of one of our member societies or to find out more about our certification like the Certified Financial Technician, CFTE, and the Master of Financial Technical Analysis, MFTA, visit ifta.org.